Welcome to Why I Built This, the show where founders share the stories behind why they built the organizations they built. I'm your host, Mary Elizabeth Lemmer, and on this show I talk to nonprofit founders, to tech company founders, and even the owner of your favorite local business. You'll get to hear the real stories behind the initial inspiration, the burning desires, the touching stories that lit the initial spark and keep the fire burning for purpose-driven entrepreneurs. On today's episode, we are excited to get to know Aaron Fry, the founder of KIPP, a company that helps you find a quality therapist and helps you measure your progress. Welcome to the show, Aaron. Thank you, Mary. So tell us about KIPP and the story about why you started this company. Yeah, so I started KIPP with my co-founder, T, uh, almost two years ago. We had met a long time before that, I would say five or six years ago, while on vacation in Puerto Rico, of all things. And we became friends and soon um, figured out that we had a passion for mental health and kind of advocating for better mental health treatment. Um, we both had friends and close close ones go through mental health um, experiences with their mental health, had struggled to find care and get the right help. And so um, that was kind of the backdrop. And then before starting KIPP, I'd actually started going to a therapist. And one hallmark of the whole search process for me, it took me eight months from the time that I found, the time that I tried to find a therapist to the point of actually getting one who worked for me. Um, and even then it was a frustrating process going through therapy because I just, I had no indication of was therapy even working? What was going on? You know, I went every week because that was what the therapist had said that I should do. And it made me feel better, but I really, I really wasn't sure kind of what was happening or what was working. And so T and I came together to build KIPP as a way to solve two of the biggest problems people face when going to therapy. One, it's really hard to find a good therapist. And two, it's really hard to know whether therapy is working. But the truth is that, one, that you know, you can, there are ways to find a good therapist, just most of us don't really know what to look for. We at KIPP do that for you. We vet therapists. We put them, make them available. You can book a therapist through our app and see them as soon as tomorrow. Um, and then two, we actually give you and your therapist use tools that are validated tools that are known to show, you know, whether or not anxiety is reduced, stress is reduced, depression is reduced. We give you tools and an app that shows you the progress you're making so that you actually can see, you know, that therapy is working, what's working. Um, and furthermore, your therapist uses a data-driven approach that is known to make therapy more effective. That's great. Um, certainly something that is yeah. needed in, in the world and the problem I've encountered as well, looking for a therapist and then knowing if it's working, how do you measure something like that? Why, when you experience the that the pain that you're now solving why did you decide to actually start a company to solve that problem versus just kind of being like oh well that that sucked now I'm gonna like go on and do this like what was it about this problem that was so compelling to be like I'm actually gonna dedicate my life to solving this problem and building a company around it 
Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so uh, T actually, my co-founder, came up with the idea originally, and it started out like many startups. Our startup started out looking very different than it does today, right? So when we started Kip, we were a software, we were an app that people could use to um, to figure out things that would make their mood happier, that would boost their mood. Um, it was this app that people could download. We didn't have it wasn't actually tied to the pain point that I had originally experienced. Um, then through iterating, through talking to users, building a product, figuring out who, who used it and why, um, we pivoted to a secure communication channel between therapists and their, and their, and their providers that shared data and um, tracked progress. And this was kind of the basis for like figuring out the KIP method. Um, and what we learned through that and through the scientific research was that therapists who track progress, therapists who use validated tools like the PHQ-9, the DOS-21, all of these you know, surveys that you, may, you or I may have, you may have filled out, people listening to this may have filled out in their doctor's office, a few questions about depression, what are your levels, questions about anxiety. Actually following that process regularly throughout treatment um, leads to more effective care. All the studies show this, yet there was nothing built, nothing nothing in the current system incentivized doctors to really do this. Um, and then, so from there, we ended up realizing that I think everyone wants to start a company that puts a ding in the universe, right? That Steve Jobs quote that's really famous. And we realized that if we wanted to put a ding into the universe and make movement in the mental health sphere, um, uh, a, an area of, of industry, of medicine that just, it does not move in the way that other things move. I mean, I remember talking to people about the ACA, um, the Amer uh, Affordable Care Act, mm -hmm. and all these provisions that were theoretically going to, you know, reach mental health care at some point. Um, when you talk to providers and you look at the traction, it becomes painfully clear that mental health is generally the least it's like the slowest thing to have any, to, to see any change. Um, that's for many reasons. Um, you know, I think it's an area that's fuzzy for a lot of doctors, a lot of medical doctors, medical doctors don't have training in mental health or significant training. Um, and so, you know, if a doctor, even though I think it's roughly like 60% of providers, 60% of percent of people go to a primary care doctor are going in with something related to a mental health condition. There's no training, so there's there's no movement from that side. Mm -hmm. um, insurance companies have all sorts of reasons, mostly financial, to limit the number of providers available. Um, stigma keeps people from talking about therapy, so you just, it's an area where there's slow movement, and we realized that to make a ding in the universe, we really needed to figure out a way to just kind of overhaul the system. Be like, what would the ideal mental health treatment process look like? Like, if you and I want to go to a therapist, what is the ideal way for us to, what's the ideal path for getting better? And so what we did was we then built that. And that is kind of the current iteration of our product, which is we think that if you have, want to go to a therapist, be it for anxiety, for depression, for grief, for just general, like, feeling stuck, that you should be able to find a therapist who is good who practices science-backed techniques and see them soon. You can book an appointment as soon as tomorrow on KIPP. 
the norm usually is months. Um, and that you should be, you should be able to trust that and see that you're making progress. It's pretty impressive. And that, um, that answered several of my other questions around why, like why even track progress and why, why KIPP is important and why it's different. Why, if we look to the future, if we look to your point. A little more about the tracking progress. I think that's yeah. a lot of people ask us that question, and it's fair. Like therapy is something that seems very, seems very much about talking, right, and about being in the room with the therapist. And um, the truth is that therapy, you see your therapist one hour a week, and part of getting better means you're making changes outside of your therapy hour that are helping you become a better person or helping you release, relieve your anxiety or, you know, resolve your depression. You're learning skills. You are learning how to think differently. You're practicing different behaviors. So on the one hand, tracking progress is important because you have to do things outside of the therapy session to actually make progress. But even more so, if you think about a therapist as someone who's effectively debugging your brain, like their goal is to find, learn as much about you to help you figure out how to how to live a better life. And so normally, if you go to a therapist one hour a week and you just kind of rehash information to them about what happened in the week, they're getting this very limited view. On KIPP, you're able to track your thoughts, your feelings, your behaviors every day of the week, every hour of the week. You write down notes, you track symptoms, you track your mood, you, um, you might like, fill out worksheets or fill out kind of answers to questions on a regular basis. So your therapist just knows so much more about you. And that's how we're able to see just better progress or such good. That's why people on KIPP see such, just have such a different experience than traditional therapy because they're so much more engaged in their care. They're working on their care through the app, you know, throughout the week and their therapist, instead of working with five puzzle pieces a week, they're working with 20, 25, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like really as much as you as the ther- the client puts into the app, your therapist just knows so much more about you. And so we really look at it as a, um, like that's why data is important. Yes, it's important for like scientific measuring and it's important for figuring out whether care is working, but it's also like the qualitative and quantitative data, it's helping your therapist treat you better. You can't, when you, and when you put it that way, it seems like why wouldn't someone choose Kip to find a therapist? Why don't? Why doesn't every therapist do this? Um, you know, you look at you look at diabetes, right? If you have diabetes and you're getting treatment, you're tracking your blood glucose levels usually every day or multiple times a day. If you have high blood pressure, your doctor is giving you treatment, but then you're taking your blood pressure on a regular basis to make sure treatment is working. If you're going to therapy for anxiety, for depression, for any anything, you know, there are ways to track progress, you know, and you should be doing something to measure that progress. It's possible to measure progress, and only if you're measuring progress can you really see that care is working. Otherwise, you know, you're relying on judgment, which is expert judgment, which is great, but I think the, the special the unique thing about data is that it just gives you this extra viewpoint. And often what happens is a therapist who tracks progress, you know, has expert judgment can say, oh, 
his patients getting better. But what the data might show is maybe they're getting better, but there's this one area that they're not improving. Or, you know, this seems to be working, but the patient's not really having an easy time to adhere to treatment. And so, like, the data just gives you much more information to work with as a therapist. Well, it seems like that's pretty transferable, too, right? If you change therapists or you move somewhere else, you have this data, just like you have medical records or blood labs that you can share to your next doctor. All of a sudden, you have something beyond the expertise of one person, and you can go to multiple people and not have to be reliant on that one person, necessarily, if something were to come up. Exactly. We've had people, I mean, you're, you're, it's possible to switch therapists on KIPP. Um, we don't have, people often don't switch therapists just because we, we do a very strict vetting process. Uh, we have this belief that um, you, it's, it's often to hear, you often hear from people that, oh, I went to a therapist, but it just wasn't the right fit. Well, we think actually that saying it's not the right fit is actually usually hiding a problem. Mm. Um, with that therapist. Maybe it's that they weren't a good listener. Maybe it's that the therapist didn't know how to communicate to you. But at the core, a great therapist should be able to treat most people with few exceptions, right? Maybe if there's, um, maybe they aren't skilled in a, the specialty area that you're looking for. Um, or maybe there is like a big personality clash. But for the most part, a good therapist can treat like anyone who comes in their door um, with, you know, general anxiety, depression, and should be able to mold their, their approach to meet your needs. Um, so we have a really high, so, you know, we, we vet our therapists for various qualities that aren't actually looked at, that aren't the same, aren't, aren't things, you know, it's important for therapists to be licensed, but in addition to that, there are qualities that make a therapist great. Those include curiosity. You need a therapist who's curious enough to push you push you enough just to like keep asking you why so you can start uncovering and peeling those layers like onion layers peeling layers of your of your understanding about yourself um you want a therapist who's empathetic who's warm who makes you feel comfortable in the room uh you want a therapist who can clearly explain uh explain things like anxiety to you i think it's easy for you know there's the experts that you hear about who are so smart but they don't know how to teach right you need mm-hmm. to be able to teach as a therapist. Otherwise, your client's not going to understand or, and, like, get as much out of it. Um, and so those are just kind of some of the things we look for in therapists. And um, that's been part of the process of building KIPP is not only building a tool that makes therapists better, but also learning what makes a therapist really effective. So as we – if we extrapolate that – over the next five years and people are using KIPP for five years and they've started and therapists are using this more analytical approach to therapy and tracking this data. Why, why does that matter? Like, what does that look like on a macro level? What does the world look like and how is it, what, what's the dent look like, um, in the future? If you look at more and more people using this methodology and, um, why is that important? I mean, lots of reasons. There are so many ways that this could go. I think there's one thing is just eliminating the stigma about therapy. Therapy, one of the first things people ask about therapy, whether it's me or someone, their doctor, is does therapy even work? Mm -hmm. There's this assumption that therapy doesn't work or that there's 
also an assumption that therapy lasts forever, that therapy is the psychoanalytical kind of sit on the couch or lay down Freudian stuff that um, you maybe see on TV. But I think in the future, if you have an analytical approach and you can show results, right, that helps fight the stigma around therapy and all the, you know, that therapy isn't this, you know, this thing people do when they have a breakdown. Therapy isn't only for people who are going through a really hard time. Therapy is this really valuable tool that teaches you how your brain works and will visibly give you, make, help you make changes in your life, help you make changes in how you think that make your life better. Um, so that's one way. Um, five years down the line, what does it look like for us? I think, you know, by creating, in making, using data that a therapist otherwise wouldn't have access to, right? Because they're not, they're not sitting with you every day. They're not, they can't see you um, when you're outside of their therapy room. It opens up just so many doors for different types of ways that we can deliver care. Whether that's, you know, therapists who maybe see you less frequently for that one hour session, but maybe have interaction points between sessions um, and are checking in with you to see, hey, are you doing the work that we talked about in the session? Hey, I noticed that your symptoms were, um, your symptoms weren't improving for the last three days. Right now, you see your therapist once a week, once every two weeks. You don't get to iterate on the therapy process until you go into the door um, at the next appointment. So you now have an opportunity to make changes three days after care is delivered as opposed to like two weeks. Um, so that's interesting to us. And I think in general, um, you know, one big thing we want to look at, we're, we're curious at is like, how does therapy become more accessible? Cause it's all, it's all great that we make therapy really effective, right? And that tools and quality care, um, and a quality therapist combined, give her a great care experience, but how does therapy become more accessible to more people? I think Mm -hmm. that's super interesting. And so one, you know, if you can, if we can kind of show you, um, if, if you make sure that the care you're getting is really effective, theoretically that should lead to fewer sessions, which makes things a little more affordable. But two, we're also starting to talk to companies about, um, you know, helping subsidize therapy. Why therapy, you're, employee's productivity is so tied to your to your employee's mental health and we want to start working with companies so that they start helping um meet the gap where insurance currently covers therapy but has very limited access to care um and very mixed quality of care um we're able to come in we want to start seeing working with companies and say and talk to companies about investing in their employees mental health which will bring returns both for their employees and for the companies themselves that that's interesting. It brings up a whole conversation around um, therapy and access to therapy, just like access to healthcare in in different parts of the country and different parts of the world. And um, we could probably have a whole conversation um, about that. And I do I do want to shift the conversation a bit uh, more about you and your journey with Kip and. Uh, as many of us know that have started anything, it's hard. And being a founder and creating something from scratch is not an easy path. And I'm curious if there have been times during your journey starting KIPP around times you've questioned the why or questioned, like, why am I doing this? 
and maybe you could share with us some of those hard times and, and why you persevered and why you keep doing it. Yeah, my gosh, um, all the time. I think it's it's not often that entrepreneurs come out and say that, but in private conversations with other entrepreneurs, I always try to say the truth, which is you question yourself all of the time. Um, I mean, whether it's, you know, a bad email slash like business deal that fell through. For me, it's been like, you know, I've definitely questioned when we pivoted the product. Um, I went through actually a lot of anxiety back in March. I blogged about it um, on Medium. Um, you know, going, I went through a lot of anxiety and, you know, you, you, you make sacrifices just like everyone makes sacrifices. It's, it's a huge privilege and luxury to start a company. Um, and so like, I definitely want to recognize that. I think it's rare. The rare person even gets the chance because not all of us are free from obligation. Not all of us have the luxury of feeling like we can live off of just whatever money comes in without worrying about saving for two or three years. Like I haven't saved money in year in like a couple of years. And that's because I, I, I feel comfortable doing that. Um, but back to your question, um, what makes me persevere is just that this wanting to see Kip exist in the world, wanting to see, I mean, God, every person in my life that I know who has suffered long-term, short-term because they can't find a great therapist, um, or people who go to bad therapists and then never get better and then never look at therapy again. Um, the mental health system that's just so broken uh, and the stigma that keeps people from getting help. I remember back in November, um, two people from my college, one whom I knew uh, from my university college days, um, had committed suicide. I remember seeing, I was, I was postering flyers about Kip around the UC Berkeley campus. And I just looked on my phone and I saw these posts and you know, on a Facebook post, you, you, you always, you see the first one and it's a picture of someone you knew mm -hmm. and there's like some comment and you just go, Oh my God, no. Like you just, you feel in the pit of your stomach that something happened to them. Mm -hmm. I remember seeing that post and looking it up and then looking up his picture, his profile and just in my mind out loud, I was like, Oh my God, no, no, like, no, no, tell me no. And like, why did he feel the needle? Why did he have to kill himself, right? Like, where were the steps in the process? Whether that's, like, the friend support, the family support, the doctor support, the doctor who can refer to a therapist, the therapist who they may or may not have seen, the coworkers, the company. Like, there are t people know. Like you, you, there are moments in which you recognize that something's wrong and you don't really know what to do. And I guess this is a little bit, uh, kind of going off the rails, but, um, like those are the moments why I keep doing what I do because it's, it's inexcusable that mental health isn't, mental health treatment isn't there for people who need it. It's inexcusable that we as a society don't encourage mental health in the same way we encourage like exercising and eating healthy, um, there, you know, preventative care exists for mental health care. If you, you can stop, you can recognize problems early on. We just don't have ways to even screen for that. And so I keep going and doing the work that I do because I feel like it's been a gift to even work on this. 
and it's something that needs to exist in the world and that is all the motivation I need to to keep working on it thank you for sharing that story that's a like such a real and helpful thing I think for me and hopefully for our listeners to hear of just there are these real moments in life where something happens to us where it's like that's the thing that we remind ourselves of when times get hard and when we question like why we're not saving money or why we are working as hard as we do and then remembering remembering that photo remembering that post remembering that experience to be like yeah this is this is why and this is really important um and i've i've loved some of your analogies around comparing tracking you know diabetes and your glucose to tracking your mental health and you can't necessarily expect something to get better or know how it's going if you're not tracking it and and now with this recent analogy to looking at mental health uh, as we look at physical health we encourage exercise and eating healthy that's great for our physical body but why is there a stigma around um, doing what's good for our mental health and our mental well-being. And it, it seems so clear then and makes me wonder why anyone wouldn't, you know, pursue this and, and do what they need to for their mental health. Um, I want to ask you a, a final question before we let the listeners know how they can try out KIPP. And that is, you know, as you think about the legacy you want to leave or what you want when you, you know, end this life where, what you want people to say about you when, how, like, how do you want to be remembered? And maybe it's about Kip or not, but you clearly have a very mission driven mindset around what you want to create and bring to this world. I'm curious if that has manifested any thoughts around how you want people to remember you in the future. That's a fascinating uh, question. I've, I've really not thought about that that often. Um, so much of, I guess, my focus is in the now, um, especially when you're running a company. You're just you're just like hoping to make it to the next milestone, right? Get to the next fundraise, get to the next growth numbers. Um, and it, but I think in general in life, I I want people who I've known to feel like they've been loved. I want them to feel like they've been treasured for who they are. Um, and I, I guess I ascribe a lot to the whole, like, you know, what's, you know, the whole question of like, what is the meaning of the world, right? Like, what is our, the meaning, our purpose in the world? And, you know, we live, we die. We're just these little, little blobs on earth for a little temporary amount of time. But if I can make my little time as a blob on earth, uh, mean something to someone else I can make a little dent into someone's life and make someone's life better I think I'll be really happy um at the least I hope to keep it like at equilibrium <laughs> like to be neutral um maybe recover some of my carbon footprint by helping people in other ways <laughs> <laughs> well it sounds like you're on a good path to to making that impact I think you'll be above neutral um considering the work you're doing and the, the mindset you you have around the gratitude of being able to do the work yeah. you do. One other thing, and it just ties into drive. Um, there have been many times where I've, you know, I have questioned, like, why am I doing this? And I think before even starting a company, I had thought, like, do I even want to become an entrepreneur, 
right? Is that something in my wheelhouse? I've had tons of people tell me not to, um, mostly men. Um, and one thing that consistently drove me was kind of the rampant sexism I would see. Um, I, I do think that more women have to start companies for more women to be inspired to start companies for more women to make enough money to become venture capitalists for more women to then bring more diverse, respectful, um, conditions and environments to the tech sphere. Um, you know, money is power, unfortunately. And also like it's worth it to find ways to have influence when with the goal of bringing more diversity into the workplace. I think as we're recording this, there's been a lot of talk about sexism in Silicon Valley. Um, and it's been a weird thing. I, I, it's been a really weird thing to kind of watch unfold. And I think I have a lot of mixed feelings. Some of my feelings are, well, would this happen if it was all about like racism in the workplace? Like right now women are getting, um, we're getting the highlight and we're getting maybe a retribution, but there's just so much wrong that needs to be, that could be improved and needs to be fixed. I think that the only way to do that is to find position, like to fight for positions and to make, to take that path less walked, that harder path so that more people can walk that path and succeed. Yeah, that's, that's a, Yes, I totally agree with that, and I think we need more fearless people to go out there and do what you have done and others have done to kind of pave the way and carve this path or, like, at least show people, like, yeah, you can do this, and hopefully through that inspiration reduce some of the fears that we have around fighting for that position or starting that company or doing something that is often seen as risky and and sometimes scary. And, and, don't, and it doesn't have to be starting a company either. Like when I started Kip um, with T, I had a friend two months later reach out and tell me how she was inspired to do, she was inspired to basically ask for a promotion because she saw that I went and started Kip out of nothing, right? Um, and so it's, it's, there's a snowball effect and it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't have to, it's not, success isn't, it doesn't have to be, you know, you starting a company, so other people start companies. There is a snowball effect. You take a risk, you going for what you want, and your friends, family, other people seeing that, and then having more, I think, having more role models and inspiration and motivation to say, like, hey, I can do this too. If That sounds like a great call to action. Everyone listening to that. Um, take, take that a inspiration. Risk. Take a risk. Figure what you want and ask for it. And it's been one lesson, too, in learning how to be an entrepreneur. Like, that's the number one. Like, that's the number one thing you need. You just, people ask for things. Mm-hmm. That's how you get, get, get things. <laughs> to ask them. And too often we let fears and thoughts and worries stop us from asking what we want. Be direct. Ask what you want. It's something I still practice and work on every day. Mm. It's, uh, it's great advice. Um, well, well, Aaron, before we finish up, will you tell everyone how they can try out Kip? Yes, absolutely. You can go to hellokip.com. That's hello and then kip.com. Uh, you can download our app. 
Um, by the time you're listening to this, you may also be able to download our guide on the questions you should ask your therapist before working with them and all the questions you don't know to ask before seeing a therapist. Um, so yeah, just go there, download Kip. You can always tweet at us, hellokip, at, at hellokip, tweet at me, Aaron Fry. Um, you know, we have a bunch of content on Medium too. I know choosing a therapist is a, go, choosing to go to a therapy is, is a really big decision for a lot of people. So, you know, read up, learn more about therapy, ask us questions. You can always just chat with us on intercom if you want. Um, but we think it's a great investment. It's one of the best things I've ever done for myself. It is hands down, makes me a better person, a better leader, a better, a more effective and more productive uh, coworker. Um, self-awareness is something that will, all the skills you learn in therapy, they help you just become better at work, better at life. Um, even like I recently started dating again on online dates and just, gosh, thanks to going to therapy, just having such a different awareness of who I am, what I want, um, and the willingness to ask questions and just be real, it changes everything. So I definitely recommend it. I'm with you there. I think there's plenty of reasons for everyone to say, let's go to therapy. And if this conversation hasn't been more evidence of that, um, definitely read up. We will post the link to Kip and some of the Medium blog posts that Erin referenced in the show notes. So you can check them out directly and try it out for yourself. Thank you so much, Erin, for sharing your story and the story of Kip. Um, best of luck to you and keep doing, keep doing the work you're doing because you're making that dent in the universe.